SAFM Sports Wrap. Thank you very much to the MoneyWeb team. They'll be back again tomorrow at 6. I'm Brad Brown with you for the next half hour here on SAFM Sports Wrap. And a pretty depressing day if you're a South African cricket fan. The Proteas have been knocked out of the 2015 ICC Cricket World Cup by co-host New Zealand. And we'll be analysing that performance today. We'll chat to Natalie Germanis in just a short while. We'll also uh, have a, a chat with Mornay van Veik, who was at the last World Cup where South Africa crashed out as well. A uh, man who's been there and knows exactly what the players are going through. And then we'll look ahead to tomorrow night's international friendly. That Bafana Bafana will be taking on Swaziland in the PSL radio show. Second Jalas Dwayne DeLocker will be joining us to chat about that. But we start with cricket news. And if you missed it a little bit earlier on, South Africa posted 281 for five in 43 overs in the rain-interrupted first innings of this morning's first ICC Cricket World Cup semi-final. That target was then adjusted with New Zealand needing 298 for victory in the South African innings. It was Faf Duplessis who top-scored with uh, 82 off 107 balls. A.B. de Villiers added 65 not out and a quick-fire 49 off just 18 balls from David Miller. But then the New Zealanders got off to a cracking start with Brendan McCullum posting 59 off just 20 26 balls to set the tone for the Black Caps innings. Mornay Morkel was the pick of the South African bowlers. He bagged three wickets for 59 runs in his nine overs. But New Zealand managed to get the winning runs with one ball to spare to win by four wickets. And Broach's captain, A.B. de Villiers, was gutted following the game. I felt um, that we'd, we left it out in the field tonight. And that's, that's all I can ask of the guys, you know. We had our chances especially in the second half of the game, and we didn't take it. So it's, it's difficult to, to say the emo- what, what kind of emotions I'm feeling. It's, it's obviously painful. Um, uh, lots of people back home supporting us. It, it hurts to think of all of them, you know, and we, we so badly wanted to take a trophy back home. But um, I guess life moves on. The sun will come up again tomorrow. South African-born Grant Elliott scored 83, not out of 70, uh, 70, 84, rather, of 73 balls. And he hit the winning six off the second last ball of Dale Staines' final over. For the fans and the four million people in New Zealand, I think, you know, the supporters, that, that wins for them. The support has been overwhelming and there's been a lot of talk about us just making the semis and never quite kicking on. So I know it means a lot to the team, but... You know, you could see the emotions in the in the stands today. It means a, a lot to a lot of people in New Zealand. So hopefully we can repay the faith in the final as well. In other cricket news, Kevin Peterson's been released from the majority of his Indian Premier League contract with the Sunrisers Hyderabad so that he can play domestic county cricket in an attempt to earn an England recall. On to football news, Bafana Bafana coach Sheikh Mishab is still a confident man despite not having three key players for two international friendly matches this week. The team left for Swaziland earlier today to face uh, our neighbours tomorrow night. Four players from the original 30-man squad have been withdrawn from the team. UK League One club Doncaster Rovers requested that Dean Furman be excused as they have a full fixture list, while Aneli and Konka and May Mishlangu are out due to injury. Kaiser Chiefs defender Eric Motoho will miss the Swaziland clash due to family commitments, but will be back for the Nigeria tie on Sunday. Mishaba says those players will be missed, but it's a great chance to have a look at the others in the squad. If you look at the number, we had 30 players, which tells you we have two to three players in one position. So, of course, yes, in the absence of these players, it doesn't mean we say we're happy that they're not here. It will give the others a chance to show what they have. Do they deserve to be in the team or not? 
Following the Swaziland clash, Bafana will return to South Africa to face Nigeria at the Mbombela Stadium this weekend and the coach feels it will be a great mental test for his team. We don't have to look who we're playing against. And then of course we're looking at the, the other second game here, Nigeria. I mean, uh, with Nigeria, to them it's payback time. They will never come here as sheep to slaughter. They are going to come out spitting fire. Atletico Madrid's coach Diego Simone has agreed to a three-year contract extension that will keep him at the Spanish champions until 2020. Michel Platini was re-elected as UEFA president today and two critics of Sepp Blatter, former Manchester United CEO David Gill and Germany Football Federation President Wolfgang Nierschbach were chosen to join FIFA Executive Committee. Platini, who ran unopposed, also retained his position as FIFA Vice President through to 2019. Though Platini did not stand against FIFA, uh, against Blatter in the FIFA election on the 29th of May, UEFA backs all three of the other candidates. In some rugby news, Stormers coach Alistair Kutsia confirmed today that he has a fully fit squad for the upcoming clash against the Highlanders at Dunedin's Forsyth Bar Stadium this weekend. The only omission will be that of Captain Dwayne Vermeulen, who's been granted arrest as per the agreement between Saru and the franchise chief executives over the management of the national team players. This means that Louis Schroeder, who's passed his concussion test, and Lock Ivanetsabeth and blindside flank Michael Rhodes have both recovered from injuries that kept them out of the last few Stormers games. The Sharks-Springboks trio of Kubis Marcel Coutier and Pat Lambie are also all expected to be rested for their match against the Force this weekend in line with the same agreement. Meanwhile, I don't know if it's good news or bad news, but Australia's Angus Gardner, who sent off three players last weekend, will handle duties between the Bulls and the Crusaders at Loftus Fashfeld this weekend. SAFM Sports Wrap. This is SAFM Sports Wrap. Disappointment today for the Proteas and I think every single South African as well. Natalie Germanis joins us now. Natalie, uh, I'm feeling a bit better than straight after the game. I was gutted, but gee, those players were absolutely shattered after that loss this morning. Mone Morco was in tears. He was inconsolable. He was sitting on the field. He couldn't move. He took Wayne Parnell, who was obviously being the 12th man for the game, came out there, gave him a hug, and just to obviously try and make him feel better as much as he could. There's not much you can do for players in that situation. It would have taken a lot for A.B. de Villiers as well to get into his post-match press conference and be able to chat about the game, be asked the hard questions. Because he was also, he was struggling really badly. It was tough for him. Was also lying on the field. As you, you often see with soccer players, you don't often see that with cricketers where they're just sitting on the field, can't move. You, you do see that at the final whistle of a soccer match, but not often in a cricket match. And unfortunately for the South Africans, they were just on the receiving end of what ended up being a very good performance by the Blackers. Yeah, Natalie, it, it's, we, we've, we've come short again at another World Cup, but I think a consolation to take out of this performance is we came into this one, we looked fantastic in our quarterfinal. We did put in a great performance today and we were just beaten by a better side on the day. Look, if you, if you break down the match and you have a look at what South Africa did with the bat, it was 51 for 2 and past demons could have easily come into it and South Africa could have been out for 150 and that didn't happen. That is a major, major plus because so easily they could have folded as they had done in previous games, but they didn't. Fastidiously, Riley Rousseau added 83 runs for that third wicket partnership in very tough circumstances. New Zealand were bowling brilliantly. The ball was moving around. They were keeping it tight. Their fielding was good, as it always has been. And easily, South Africa could have folded because of what's happened to them in the past, and that didn't happen. And I think that is one of the most important things to hold on to, is that past demons have 
been addressed. And it's been addressed by players that have been through that. Fast Duplessis was there in 2011 when things went completely wrong. A.B. de Villiers has been there twice. He's been there in 2011 and 2007 when South Africa had collapses. And they've managed to get past that. And I think that's one of the most important things that South Africans have to take out of this. These demons of that horrible C word that will probably still get thrown around, they have been addressed. And South Africa, they have to be really proud of what they've done. You have to give so much credit to New Zealand and Grant Elliott in particular for being absolutely brilliant and their immense pressure. Natalie, we, we've spoken about it at length. You mentioned the C word, but there was a B word that had been thrown around lots in this World Cup, and that was the balance of uh, the Proteus squad and whether we play the seventh batsman or an extra bowler. And uh, if there's one downside from today's game, was uh, we probably were a bowler short. I think you could probably look at it and say that. Um, unfortunately, though, for somebody like Dale Stane, who it's very always hard to criticize someone like Dale Stane because you know he leaves it all out on the field. He always gives his 110% best. But unfortunately today, he was expensive, 8.5 overs for 76, and he picked up one wicket. And through the tournament, he wasn't taking wickets, and you need someone like Dale Stane to take wickets. So he's one of your frontline bowlers that will get picked no matter what happens, and he wasn't taking wickets. And today, he was and didn't take wickets either. So that's a little bit of a disappointment. I know a lot of people might have said Kyle Abbott should have played. Vernon Philander's eight overs went for 52. He went for six and a half and over. And you compare it to the rest of the bowlers throughout the entire match, that's not that bad. It really isn't. Yes, you needed him to take wickets. But Iman Tahir, he has had a brilliant tournament so far. You have to give him a lot of credit. Mone Morkel had three fantastic games in a row. And his consistency has always been an issue over the past. But he was very good today. J.P. Dermy bowled five overs for 43. De Villiers bowled three overs for 21. So the fifth bowler in the end went for 64 runs in eight overs. That is, is a little bit expensive, and that is an issue South Africa will have to address before the next World Cup. An all-rounder, genuine all-rounder, is really lacking from a South African perspective. But they went into the World Cup knowing they were lacking that, and it was something that they had to overcome. Unfortunately, Maybe it just ended up then coming short in a semi-final. But I think from a bowling perspective, considering they didn't have a fifth bowler, they actually did very well. As far as a batting performance goes, you mentioned those two early wickets, but then Faf Duplessis and Riley Rousseau managed to, to steady things a bit. Riley Rousseau went out, then the, the captain, AB, came in, and, and they were going great guns, and then the rain came down, and, and I was having visions of, of 92, a repeat of 92 again, and uh, where we lost to England in that semi-final. I thought, oh, the weather's going to do it again, and if you actually look at it too, we were a bit unlucky with that with that weather break, with the innings being shorted. AB was, was starting to launch. Faf was looking really good. We could have possibly added another 20, 30 runs uh, to the taste target, and New Zealand would have had a really tough time chasing that down. Unfortunately, yes. The rain came down. South Africa turned in 16 for three with 12 others to go. And what that ended up doing is negating the AB factor, and that was one of South Africa's strengths through the tournament and leading up to the World Cup. And unfortunately, it basically nullified the effect that AB could have had on the team and obviously on the total that they would have been chasing. I know a lot of people would have said, well, if the rain didn't come down, South Africa could have posted 340. But then New Zealand would have still had to go on at seven runs and over. They had to go at seven runs and over to get the target of 298. So from a run rate acquired perspective, it was almost pretty much even, even with that rain that did come down. But the issue, of course, is that South Africa could have possibly even scored more than that. They could have possibly gone on to score around 360, 370 possibly with the way A.B. de Villiers can bat at the end of the innings and you still had David Miller to come. 
So, yes, it, it possibly could have made a major difference. Obviously, it could have gone completely the other way. South Africa might have only ended up posting 250, and then New Zealand had to chase that down in 50 overs. So it could have gone absolutely either way. You'll never know. I think South Africa were unlucky with the rain, and it did probably work into New Zealand's favour. But unfortunately, there's nothing you can do about that. And uh, from a South African perspective, I don't think they will regret the rain. I don't think they'll feel too, too bad about that, because that's completely out of their control. Yeah, and, and also, if you look at uh, the sort of bowling changes that Ben McCullum had made, he had almost played his hand. Uh, with these frontline bowlers having almost bowled their full quota of overs uh, and when that uh, bowling uh, or when that rain did come down obviously it, it helped him out a little bit on that side of things Natalie, someone who, who will probably be kicking himself and, and whether he should or shouldn't is the captain, A.B. de Villiers there was a, a, an opportunity of a run out that, that he was behind the stumps and he fumbled the ball and it wasn't to be and he's had a great World Cup, he's had a great build up to the World Cup he's led South Africa really well and, and do, do you think that's going to eat at him? do you think he's going to let that get him down? They will eat it, A.B. de Villiers. And the only reason I say that is because from hearing his post-match press conference from the other two games with South Africa lost, the India match, and of course against Pakistan as well, he was absolutely gutted. And he was very emotional at those post-match press conferences. And he did say that he was, he had nothing good to say about the performance after Pakistan. He also said against India they were really poor and he was very disappointed with that loss. So yes, I think it will unfortunately eat at A.B. de Villiers. He made one or two uncharacteristic errors after that. Um, misfielding in terms of that run-out possibility. One where he missed an opportunity to stop the boundary, it went for four, it possibly could have just been two runs. And it's not normally that you see that from A.B. de Villiers. But then you have to compare it to the likes of Brendan McCullum, who through the tournament, I cannot remember seeing him do anything wrong in the field. His fielding has been brilliant. His captaincy has been brilliant. But today we saw him misfield. And those are things you don't normally see from Brendan McCullum. It just shows you what pressure does any player, no matter how good they are. Absolutely, and uh, Natalie Jumanis, thank you very much for that. And, and besides, we prefer test cricket anyway, don't we? Test cricket, as somebody <laughs> said on Twitter, is the only real form of the game. That's still a bit better. <laughs> Natalie, uh, yeah, let's uh, look forward to the next semi that takes place on Thursday, the final this coming Sunday. And uh, I don't know about you, but I'll be supporting the Black Caps. Uh, I really hope they do win it. They've been the form side, and I think they deserve to be in that final. They've had a great tournament, and uh, let's see if they can go all the way. Natalie Jamanis, thank you very much for that. We look forward to chatting again soon. Thanks very much, Brad. An important announcement for DefenseX investors. The repayment administrators appointed by the South African Reserve Bank have proposed a repayment plan to the Western Cape High Court and have commenced the claims registration process. Please visit www.rawa.co.za or call 012-429-0033 for more information. From Cape Town to Messina, if you've got a parcel to send, Speed Services has you covered. For just 69 Rand, you can send a package of up to 1.5 kilograms to any corner of South Africa with effect from 1st of March until the 31st of March 2015 at any post office counter to counter. Call the customer care line on 0860 023 133 or visit speedservices.co.za for more. Terms and conditions apply. Speed Services Couriers, the shortest distance between two points. SAFM Sports Wrap. This is SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader, and a disappointing day for, I think, all South Africans today. So close, but yet so far, and we're joined by a man who's, who's been there before. Mornay van Veek, welcome on to the show. Mornay, I think everyone uh, has sort of gotten over the initial shock of that loss this morning, but uh, truly disappointing, because the, 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 the lads did play really well this morning. 
Yeah, I think uh, I don't know what worked been particularly outplayed or actually being in a situation that we were in thinking, you know, one or two basic things done a little bit better and we probably would have had a had a win, you know. So yeah, probably over the initial disappointment but um I still absolutely gutted and don't know if uh if I'm sad or mad, you know, it's sort of it's in between those two feelings uh fluctuating at the moment. But trust me, I think what the players are going through are a lot worse, you know, it's gonna take them uh, a couple of weeks to get over it, I think. Well, no, you, you've been in that situation. You were at the last World Cup. Uh, I mean, the, the mood in the change room, and, and not just straight after the game, but uh, in the sort of days, and, and, and then obviously you still have to come home and the flight. It's, it's not a nice place to be. Yeah, I think uh, leading up to um, the game, uh, I was in touch with one or two of the guys, and I think they were all in a, in a really good space, um, expecting good things as, as a lot of us were, and... Um, did what they could to prepare for the game. And you're right, I think after the game, um, it's tough. I know after Bangladesh, um, four years ago, we sort of you know, lost the game at 11 o'clock at night, and uh, we had to fly out of the, um, you know, 3 o'clock the next morning, you know. So that made it even harder just to let it settle in and regroup and, um, you know, sort of get the ducks in a row. I'm sure they'll have a little bit more time to, um, you know, just to sit down and, and I suppose absorb it, and um, there's no analysing to be done. It's I suppose it's just, you know, from a culture and a team point of view, you want to stick together and, and sort of have a, uh, everybody's disappointed, you know, try and have a unified front and, and make sure that there's not a lot of uh, blame shifting and et cetera done. Because there are a couple of things that, that a lot of people are demanding answers for in terms of team selection and, and you know, other decisions that were made. and. No, it's important that the leadership, uh, the coach and, and the captain and senior players have a unified front and, um, you know, sort of take care of, um, of the culture that they've been very good at creating over the last couple of years. And I don't foresee that not happening. I'm sure the guys will have it covered. Monet, it is a difficult one, and, and I've heard lots of talk already this morning about this one should have gone and that one shouldn't be there. And, and it, it's, it's water under the bridge. I mean, you can't really change any of that. But if you look at today's game in particular, it's, it's like you say, it's one thing getting absolutely hammered, but it was, it was a, a case of small margins today, and it was one or two little things that, that I don't want to say let us down, but if we had done better, we, 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 we could have and should have won that game. Yes, it's very hard. Uh, you know, the last thing I think we all want to do now is, is, is say this and, and, and point at all the ifs and buts. But the fact of the matter is, and, and it's hard, I've been in myself, nobody does it on purpose, everybody's trying their best. Um, so it, it's not criticizing anybody, but, you know, there was one or two basic things that we um, should have done better. Um, you know, it's hard saying, it's, I mean, you know, being a keeper is, is, is a thankless job. Uh, if you do it right, nobody notices, but if you make a mistake, um, everybody points a finger. But, you know, uh, there was the turning point for me in the game was when we just got uh, Anderson caught, and then the next over, uh, Elia did give us a run-out opportunity, and, um, uh, you know, Quentin uh, didn't get behind the stumps as you, as you sort of teach on the 10, you could keep you know, if there's a run-out opportunity, get behind the stumps, because the ball could be either on the left-hand or the right-hand side of the stumps, and... You know, Quentin was a little bit lazy getting back, only covered the left-hand side of the stumps, and Riley threw a, a decent enough throw in on the right-hand side of the stumps, and it should have been a regulation gather. Um, you know, and right there, uh, the game would have been closed down. You sit with two bowlers in, still needing a lot of runs, and two guys in at north. And that, for me, 
sort of settled. It wasn't a tough chance. Um, and then there were sort of half chances here and there, you know. But um, for me, that was probably the easiest and the most clear-cut chance that we had. So that was basic. Um, it's a team that prides itself on also being um, a great fielding unit. And they've, they've been okay so far this World Cup. Not the best, not the worst. Um, but, you know, they feel in that fielding performance, they probably leave a little bit out there. They are better than that. But once again, it's we're talking about the execution of the skill. It wasn't good enough, but uh, but no doubt the guys tried 110 percent. Yeah, without a doubt. And and you mentioned the 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 Quinton de Kock run up, but uh, Captain Abi de Villiers will also be kicking himself. He had a great opportunity and uh, let let that one slip, and that could have also altered the the, the sort of state of the game. Do you think he's going to beat himself up uh, over that one? He seems like a guy who who is really sort of he strives for perfection from not just his team but for himself. He's had a great World Cup, and that's probably the only blemish he's had. He's going to kick himself for a long time for. That. Yeah, absolutely. It's um, you know, Abby's doing is used to doing everything exceptionally well and, and everything a lot better than, than the rest of us. Um, you know, so we do take him for granted in terms of how good he is executing skills. But uh, obviously, the difference for me with that run out and Quentin's run out is um, it's easier with gloves on. Um, you know, Abby was sort of running there, quite uncomfortable, hard to throw as well. So. There's a couple of mitigating circumstances there, but yeah, I suppose um, any other day, you know, you'd expect him to pick those up eight or nine out of ten, and I'm sure it's not just Avi. I'm sure uh, all the individuals that were lucky enough to be on the park tonight um, will ask questions of themselves, and they should in terms of, you know, he's got to learn from the experience. Um, you could see it was a new experience from for a lot of our guys being there, and that should bode well for us going to the future. Um, you know, we did at a stage. I thought we actually had our emotions getting in our way. Yes, you could see the guys were extremely strained, and once again, it's perfect to understandable. But you have to, I suppose, keep an emotional balance um, when it got to that. And I, I know it, it must be just playing in, in normal knockout games, not even World Cup. You know, the, the emotions do sometimes get overwhelming, and that's part of being a lead sportsman is you know controlling. Um, your emotions and letting your skills do the talk, and you know, um, and then after we lost, obviously your heart, you know, broke for the guys because you can just see everybody at that that release of, of tension that built up, especially over the last 20, 25 minutes of the inning. So, yeah, uh, well, I mean, I'm sure it's not their hearts that broke. It was all ours down here in South Africa that broke with them as well. Yeah, absolutely. And you could just see after that game the, the response from the players and the emotional uh, sort of response, particularly from guys like Mornay Morkel. It just shows you how much uh, this game and, and winning this World Cup meant to them. But there will be another opportunity. Unfortunately, it's only in another four years' time. But I guess we'll have to wait uh, for that opportunity. Mornay from Vic, thank you so much for your time this evening. We look forward to chatting again soon, and uh, it's much appreciated. It's a massive pleasure. Thanks for having me. Always nice chatting with you. The SA Post Office is back to full operations despite irregular disruptions which are tightly managed. Through our strong physical delivery network, the SA Post Office enables customers to communicate with their end customers. We are appealing for support and assure our customers of our commitment to serve you reliably as we recover from this period. Making SA Post Office your number one service provider. The SA Post Office. We deliver whatever it takes. It's Men Crush Wednesday and Caesar can't keep his eyes off Thomas Mlambo. Thomas Mlambo. No, not like that, silly. You see, every Wednesday is sports at 10 days. Sports at 10. 
and this means that while Cecil looks dead into Thomas's eyes, he will also be getting a fresh and in-depth look into the world of sports. So, if you just like Cecil, love Thomas, and all there is to love about South African sports, then catch Sports at 10 every Wednesday at 10 on SABC1. Brought to you by SABC Sports. For the love of the game. 2014 was a tough year. The SA Post Office values you as a customer because without you they would not exist. The SA Post Office is appealing for your support and assures their customers of their commitment to serve reliably. The SA Post Office is committed to building a strong future of performance reinforced by ongoing dialogue across the organization to ensure delivery of reliable quality services. SAFM Sports Wrap. You tune into SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader, Bafana Bafana, in action tomorrow night. Uh, they are playing uh, Swaziland, the first of two international friendlies this week. They left Johannesburg for Swaziland uh, by bus earlier on this morning. And the coach uh, with a great opportunity to test out some players in that squad that he probably wouldn't have ordinarily tested out uh, with a few of the, the bigger name players not being available, particularly Dean Furman. Uh, from Doncaster, uh, who has uh, his club has requested that uh, he's not available for this international friendly, and it's uh, I think it puts the coach in quite an interesting position. Joining us now here on SAFM Sports Wrap is uh, PSL Radio Show Second Jalo uh, host Dwayne Delocker. Dwayne, welcome onto the show, and uh, I find it quite interesting that the coach is uh, sort of okay with the position that someone like Dean Furman's not available for these friendlies because he's obviously staked his claim in in previous selections with uh, players who pick and choose which fixes they want to be available for. Yeah, Brett, good to chat to you. I'm not sure he's necessarily okay with it, but uh, this is something that is not unfamiliar to uh, international coaches on, in various uh, situations, and certainly uh, many coaches have had to deal with similar requests, particularly from European clubs, for uh, for the international breaks. Uh, I think it's been talked over behind the scenes and uh, said, look, Dean Furman's somebody we want to have long-term plans with. Uh, it's not the biggest international set of international ties. Uh, I think we concede this uh, request, and, and ultimately let's move on from there. I think the way they handled the last situation with May Maslong, who just got uh, got some really bad press for Safa as well, and they don't need any more of that. As far as uh, these two internationals go, Swaziland, uh, nothing really riding on it. Nigeria are going to be coming here with a with a score to settle. That that one's going to be quite a tough match this weekend. Certainly, Nigeria is going to be a, a, a really really interesting tie. Uh, <laughs> It's not a tie that South Africa will uh, necessarily be overly confident of, of, of taking on straight away. But then again, they did deal with Nigeria quite convincingly with two draws in the, uh, the qualifying. In fact, eliminated Nigeria's defending champions from qualifying for the Africa Cup of Nations. But as you say, Swaziland, I mean, if you look at the, the history between the sides, they've met in four previous matches. South Africa's beaten Swaziland on each of those occasions by an aggregate scoreline of 10 to 1. But Swaziland is regrouping. They've got a, a bunch of tough youngsters, including nine of those players that turned out for Royal Leopard when they thrashed Budvest Witz 3-0 and knocked uh, Witz out of the CAF Confederations Cup. So they're not to be taken too lightly. They've got uh, an experienced player here or there, including Felix Bardenhorst, who used to play with, uh, with uh, Cosmos and also trained with Sundowns. And, of course, Tony Tabeze as well, um, a league winner with Supersport United in years gone by. But ultimately, Nigeria is going to be the big test. And they've got the big boys coming out, the likes of uh, Inyema. And, of course, the World Cup hero for them, Ahmed Musa, who scored two crackers against Argentina. Dwayne, what's going to be sort of mission accomplished at the end of these two, uh, these two matches for the coach? I mean, what, what would he be hoping to get out of these two games? 
Well, look, Sheikh Mashab has always got an eye on development. The fact that he's uh, invited Castle Academy players to train with the squad, I think, is important. The fact that he's allowing a player like uh, Dean Furman an opportunity to stay at his club in Matoho, time off for family commitments, I think, says a lot about where his focus lies. And for him, it's, he believes that as national team coach, he can focus on both development and garnering results. And I think that's what he's going to try to do against Swaziland in particular, give a few youngsters opportunities to show that they've got the ability to perhaps represent South Africa when it comes time to, to tournaments like the Kasafa Cup, which comes up in May. I think that's going to be one of his uh, key focus areas. Ultimately, though, he does need to start looking at where the depth of this squad is going to be and also to allow a player like Itumelen Kune, who's just returning from injury, back into the squad and perhaps see what he's uh, got at international level, break him back into the international fray slowly. So a lot of little aspects at play, but I think ultimately a good testing ground nonetheless. You mentioned those uh, youngsters from the Castle Academy that are are part of the squad as well. I mean, the the coach in the past hasn't been afraid to choose youngsters. You think of someone like Rivaldo could see it. Do you think those youngsters might get some game time? Are they there just to to shadow the the sort of bigger names and see what it's like within that Bufana set? Well, I think it's, it might be a bit of both. I mean, this is, this is what we thought about Rivaldo Cuzia. Is Rivaldo Cuzia going to actually play? And there he was at 17 years old playing in, a, in an Africa Cup of Nations qualifier. Same thing with Fakhri Lake when he came on and eventually uh, broke Rivaldo Cuzia's record of being the youngest player. Came on and played. Um, youngsters like Ngubo and CB, players like that have been given opportunities in the past. I'd love to see what this 20-year-old youngster, um, uh, Piri, Lebohang Piri, uh, gives to the Bafana Bafana setup as well. Here's a guy, 20 years old, was at Wits, never got to play in the PSL, but suddenly he's playing in Europa League in, in Denmark. Um, and I think we might get an opportunity to see a few of the youngsters turn out. Shakespeare Mashab is definitely not afraid of giving thoroughly inexperienced, and they need very young players an opportunity to. Uh, prove their worth by throwing them in at the proverbial deep end. Yeah, and some of them have really stepped up to the plates as well. Dwayne DeLocker, thank you so much for that. We look forward to that match tomorrow night, Swaziland, this coming weekend up against Nigeria. And that's it for SAFM Sports Wrap this evening. The talk shop coming up next from myself, Brad Brown. Thank you very much for listening. Don't forget, if you'd like to be in touch, you can follow us on Twitter. Just uh, search for SAFM Sports Wrap. You can find us on Facebook as well. Until tomorrow, cheers.